Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Hi, my name's JJ, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Journey Church, and this is my wife, Liz. You're about to hear a message from our end of the year legacy series we're simply calling Promised. It's a five-week collection of talks where we explore God's power to interrupt our expectations, surpass our limitations, and expand our imaginations of what we believe is possible, not only in your life, but also through your life, because we believe God still moves, still heals, still restores, and we believe God still does the unbelievable. This is why we end every year with what we call our legacy offering, a financial sacrifice given not only out of gratitude for what God has done this past year, but out of faith for it even greater in the next. On December 10th, we wanna let you know that you will have an opportunity to participate in this year's legacy offering entitled Promise. And it's real important to mention that we give this entire offering away to the vision and mission of the church. You can visit journeyroll.com forward slash promise to see how your gift is gonna make a difference across the street and across the globe. By God's grace, we've grown more this year than ever before. And if you're one of the many people who have been impacted by this ministry, we encourage you to consider praying about joining us on December 10th. We have no specific financial goal, but we are asking you to take your first step if you call Journey Church home and have never tithed before. Now, if you don't know what tithing is, it's basically the biblical principle of giving God the first 10% of your income. And we want to encourage you to take Legacy Sunday as the day that you begin trusting God with your tithe symbolically placing Him first in your life. Secondly, for those who are a part of this community and are already regularly giving, thank you. We could not do what we do without you. Would you consider, though, on Legacy Sunday, giving a one-time gift above and beyond the tithe to further the mission of making Jesus accessible to anyone? Through your generosity, we'll be able to do just that. Promise 2023 Legacy Offering this December. Let's decide not only to believe for the miracle in our life, but be the miracle in someone else's. Thank you in advance for sharing with us your gift, your life, and your legacy. Let me define the word legacy, if I may, really quickly. The word legacy means what people remember once we're gone. What people remember once we're gone. And it's okay, by the way, to want to be remembered. I don't think anybody wants to go through life and not have left a mark. I think we all want to matter. I think we all want to do something that matters. Uh, the psalmist in the book of Psalms actually encourages this mindset and tells you how to go about it. Psalms 112, verse 5 through 6, good will come to those who are, say this word with me, generous and lend freely. They will be, say these last words with me, remembered forever. And this is a promise that if you live a generous life, that if you live a life for other people, you will have a legacy. It's a promise that your life will matter. And that is the title of our series that will begin for the next five weeks, Promise. Look at your neighbor, give him a little tap and tell him, God promised. Promised. I know some of y'all don't like promises because you're scarred. But promises are good. Promises are good. Promises are good for three reasons. Number one, promises help you plan. Promises help you plan. Let me put it on the screen. Um, um, how many people are grateful, listen, that after you worked 40 hours at your job, that your employer kept their promise? 
to pay you for your 40 hours. Thank the Lord. We would have a problem if he did not, right? Or she did not. And because they kept their promise, because you knew how much you would get paid at the end of the week or at the end of the month, you are now able to apply for a mortgage. You are now able to have car payments. You can plan that vacation that you and your spouse have been planning or that getaway for you and the girls that you've been planning. Because when you know it's going to come in, you can plan out your life. Same principle with God. Psalm chapter 119, verse 6. The psalmist says, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. There are some promises you can bank on, you can count on, you can plan on. For example, if you are ever in need, you can plan on God being your provider. He said he would do that. If you ever make a mistake, you can plan on God offering you forgiveness. He said that you would do that once for all time. Every sin you ever make, he's going to wipe it away. If you ever feel alone, you can plan on the love of God. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. If you plan on, if you, if you in life and you have an experience where you feel like a loser, you lost a business deal, you lost a fight, you lost a relationship, God said you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. These are some promises that you can plan your life on. You can start having a vision because I know if God said it, he's going to do it. Promises help you plan. Promises also help you not just plan, they help you withstand. Promises help you withstand when, thing, when unexpected things happen. I don't want to get into it. It's a long story. I'm just going to give you the key points, and we're going to keep it moving because I don't want to talk about it. But last week, Justice needed help throwing out the trash, and we were rushing on the way to church. And so, and you know, when you're rushing, things happen. So I was in the car, and he was taking forever. He was bringing the recyclables out, and recyclables falling out the bins. And I was like, you need help. And I got out the car to go help him throw out the recyclable, and I forgot to put the car in park. And it began to back up and hit my neighbor's mailbox and hit the tree in front of my house. And, and it was not good. And I texted my neighbor, apologized. I apologized to God for making the tree. I was real sad about all that. And I'm just saying, and my car is not with us today because it's getting, it's getting better. It's getting better. I'm just, but I'm glad I didn't have to pay for that. You know why? Because my car insurance company kept their promise. And they don't always. And so I'm really grateful <laughs> that my car insurance company kept their promise. They said that if I gave them money every month, that if something happened to my car that was unexpected, that they would come through and thank God that they did. And now the car is going to look better than it was. So all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Here's what the Bible says, Psalms 91.4. His faithful promises are your, look at this, armor and protection. You can hide in the promises of God. When the storm hits your life, you can remember that Jesus is in the boat with you when that storm is going on. When your house burns down, you can be reminded that he promised that there was a heavenly house waiting for you at the other side of this life. When your relationship gets rocky, you know that he promised again that he would never leave you, that that relationship with him would always be secure. When life gets tough, you've got promises you can run to. They become refuge for you. I love that God's Promises help you plan, they help you withstand, and promises help you throw hands. <laughs> promises help you throw hands. Sometimes you got to fight with a promise. Yeah, I was arguing, not arguing, I was discussing passionately with my son the other day. He was like, Dad, I want ice cream. And I was just tired. I didn't want to do it. And so you know parents, how we be making up excuses for things when we don't want to do things for our kids? You know how it is. Right? And I said, I want ice cream. I was like, ice cream is going to give you diabetes. 
you don't want ice cream. <laughs> He's like, no, I want ice cream. I was like, no, your teeth. It's bad for your teeth. You got perfect teeth. It's bad for your teeth. And then he's like, but dad. And I was like, no buts. He's like, but dad. I was like, no buts. He's like, but dad, you promised that if I ever got a stripe on my jujitsu belt, I could get ice cream and I got a stripe today. <sighs> get your stuff. Let's go get the stinking ice cream, okay? Right? He knew that if he was going to have to win that argument with me, there was only one way that he was going to win that argument, and it was by throwing in the face of the father the promise that he made because he knew that his father could not go back on his word. Sometimes you need to be able to use God's promises to win the argument. And by the way, not with other people. Don't you ever use the Bible to beat up on people. It's called Bible verses, not Bible bullets. Stop using the Bible to get in fights with other Christians. Use the Bible to get in fight with the devil. Use the Bible to get in fight. Here's how I use the Bible. Ready? To, to win the fight with myself. You ever been in an argument with yourself? And you really want to win, but yourself is really good? And it's, it's doing a really good job of arguing against you? Like sometimes I'm up here preaching, and I look out at some of y'all, and, and one of y'all be sleeping. And I see it. Your eyes are closed. And I can hear myself argue with myself. And myself begins to speak to myself and says, you suck. <laughs> and nothing you say matters. And no one is listening. And what this one person looks like, everyone is feeling. <laughs> and when myself tells me myself that, I go, uh-uh, self. The Bible says that his word will never return void and it shall accomplish the purpose at which it set out. If he's asleep and dreaming right now, I pray that dream be evangelistic right now. In the name of Jesus, angels minister to him and that he's going to wake up from that dream a different person. I don't even know he got saved, didn't even know it. Wake up speaking in tongues. Just transform when I feel like things are impossible. I remember I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you make a mistake and you feel like your old you and yourself begins to tell yourself, this is your old you. This is not who you, this is, you think you're a Christian, not a Christian. You're just the old person that you always were. You go, uh-uh, who the sun sets free is free indeed. The Bible says that I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I'm going to win that argument with myself. God's promises are things that help you plan, help you withstand, and help you throw hands. The problem with promises is not promises. The problem with promises and why we don't like them is because of people. Raise your hand if a person has ever made you a promise. Raise your hand high if a person has ever made you a promise. Ready? Here's the problem. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if someone has ever broken a promise. Ah. And that's the problem. What happened? I thought you said that in sickness or in health. Till death do we part. And you left? I honestly believe we are a generation of promise trauma. So when someone makes us a promise, we go, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I believe it when I see it, but I'm not falling for that again. And here's the, here's the issue. We are projecting on God our issues with people. But Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not a man that he should lie. If he says he will do something, then he will do it. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promised. Listen to me. God never makes a promise that he does not keep. You can count on God. You can trust in God. And so for the next five weeks in this series, Promise, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to share uh, promises or in the word of God that I have applied to my life. Literally, I can say this, that have saved my life. And I think that there are promises that you can use in your life that can save your life. And the first promise that I want to share with you is probably one of the most misquoted 
most misunderstood promises in all the Bible. We say it a lot. We hear people say it a lot if you're familiar with church people. And it's good. It's great. I live by it. It saved me. But, but, but it, can, it can be a problem. It can be a problematic promise if we don't read it the right way. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Put it on the screen. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Keep this verse up here because this is my problem with this promise. That some of us think when we see this and we see the word prosper, we think that what we hear God say is, and this is my word, no more civics. No more Acuras, Teslas, Lamborghinis, and Mercedes. Because God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Some of y'all watching swimsuit models, you're laying your hand on the cover. You're single. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And I have a problem if you, if when you hear this verse, if you hear God saying, I promise I'm going to make you successful, that's only true depending on your definition of success. Because if, if, I think that you and God have different definitions of success. Because our definition of success usually revolves around health and wealth. But if health and wealth is the definition of success, then John the Baptist was a failure. You don't know who John the Baptist was? He was the cousin of Jesus. This is all you need to know about him, okay? He ate locusts dipped in honey. Not because it was his favorite dessert, but because homie was homeless and broke. Yet, when he died and Jesus testified to John, he said, of, of men born of women, no one was greater than John the Baptist. So we and Jesus got different definitions of greatness. We and Jesus got different definitions of success. A, a, a wonderful spouse and awesome kids, that is a form of success. But if that's the only form of success, then the apostle Paul was a failure because he was unmarried and had no children. Yet he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so we've got to redefine. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. If you're looking at this, here's what God promised. I didn't promise you a successful life if your definition of success is that. Here's the promise that you and I all have. I'm promising you a significant life. I want to speak today on the topic, a significant life. Because it's what God promised. Lean in. He promised that you will matter. He promised that your life will make a difference. He promised that you will not be an NPC in somebody else's video game or an extra in somebody else's movie, but that God has got a role for you on this planet, a role for you on this earth, that they will fill you when you're gone. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now, now in order to uh, really show the difference between success and significance, because I really got to get this through our heads, we got to kind of change the paradigm, okay? We got to get off that success train and onto this significance train so that we can receive what God has for us. I want to talk to you briefly about the life of King Belshazzar, the life of King Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar, I got to summarize because there's so much to talk about him. He was the king of Babylon, but he didn't get there just because he was born into royalty. He got there the old-fashioned way through manipulation and assassination. I, I think that if, if he were around today, he would be celebrated, not because he killed somebody, but because he hustled to get to where he is. And isn't that on every TikTok, every, every entrepreneur on Instagram? Let me tell you how to hustle. To put it, you got to put in the 40 out. You got to get in the time. I think he'd be celebrated. He'd have his own Instagram. He'd have his own TikTok. And we would talk about how hard he worked to get where he is. And at the peak of his, of his success, he throws a party to celebrate himself. And while he's celebrating himself, a disembodied hand begins to float in the room. 
and write on the wall a message. And when they did that, everybody put down their alcohol and they're like, this stuff is hard. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you seeing what I'm Everybody's like, we all see it. And they're like, well, that's crazy. I know. And they couldn't understand what the hand was writing, so they brought in the prophet Daniel to interpret. And the prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel, interprets what the hand wrote. Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 5, verse 24 through 26. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. And here is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Let's go back to Tekel. Tekel, you have been, say this word with me, weighed, weighed. Here's my first point if you're taking notes on the difference between success and significance. Success is measured in height, but significance is measured in weight. If you notice, we always talk about success in, in terms of height. We say the height of their success. We say things like, I'm going to try to climb the corporate ladder. We talk about athletes wanting to be at the top of their game. We talk about uh, celebrities being at the peak of their popularity. We always reference it in terms of height. But when God looks at King uh, Belshazzar, he doesn't look at his height. He looks at his weight. When he says tekel, tekel is another word for shekel. Shekel is a, um, an ancient form of currency that was a coin. But because there was a lot of uh, what do you call it when they make uh, fake money? Yeah, a lot of counterfeiters around, they would sometimes make something that looked like silver. And so they would put the fake silver coin on the balance scale and they would put real silver, a pound of silver on the other side. And if it was real, it would balance. But if it wasn't real, then it would tip. What God is saying is you look expensive. <laughs> you look like you got worth. You look like you got value, but when I put you on the scale, I can tell that what's on the inside does not match what's on the outside. You ain't got it. You look like you got it, but you ain't got it. Psalm 62.9 says this, the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on scales together, they are lighter than a breath of air. When I read that verse, I thought of this guy right here. You know this guy? This guy's in front of every car dealership in the United States. I, I call him Wavy Man. He has an actual name. It's Air Dancer. Didn't know that. Now you know. If you, gotta, if you ask what you learned at church today, you'd be like, I learned that's called Air Dancers. <laughs> I think secretly, we all want to be this guy. We want people to notice us. We work real hard in the morning. We, know we buy the right car. We do the makeup just right. I want you to make sure you notice me. I think we want people to talk about us. And I think even though we might not articulate it this way, I think we wouldn't mind it if people looked up to us. But this guy right here, don't be fooled. He's full of hot air. And hear me, he's not important. He only looks important. He's not important, he's inflated. Because if you go to him, he, he fights back, so I gotta be careful. He, there's nothing on the inside. Here's my first point. I keep saying first point, it's probably like my third point, but <laughs> success is empty. It's empty, it looks big, but there's nothing on the inside. 
Haggai chapter one, verse five through six. God spoke out again. Take a good hard look at your life and think it over. You spent a lot of money, but you got nothing to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer, but you can't get warm. It looks big, it looks important, but because it's empty, it can never fill you. I'm going to tell you right now, I remember when our church launched, it was, there was 400 people on launch day. I thought that was amazing. And then three Sundays later, there was 200 people. And don't ask what happened. And, and then I remember praying to the Lord that Sunday, thinking, Lord, if, you ever, if our church ever hits 1,000 people, I think that'd be amazing. That'd be already a miracle, Lord. And then our church hit 1,000 people. And when it hit 1,000 people, let me just tell you, it did not feel like I thought it would feel. Because that growth, that quote-unquote success could not fill the void of my validation. I don't know what you think a million followers on TikTok is going to feel like, but let me help you out, influencer. It's going to feel empty. I don't know what you think making six figures is going to feel like just by yourself, but let me help you out. It's going to feel empty. I don't know what you think a six-pack is going to feel like, but let me help you out. It's going to feel hungry. Because you're going to be empty. (laughs) I promise you. I don't know what you think being on the Fortune 500 Forbes list is going to feel like, but when you get there, it's not only going to feel empty, it's not only going to leave you unsatisfied. If it does deposit anything in you, it'll deposit anxiety. Because the moment you become successful, you got to stay successful. Which is the problem with success. In order for success to be success, success always has to be on. Once you start doing it, you got to keep doing it so that people can want to spend time with you and see you. Psalms 119, 36, 7 says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from your worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Look at verse 39. And take away the disgrace I dread. You know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, I used to live my life thinking possessions made me important. Thinking money made me important. Thinking fame made me important. Then I found out it was empty, but people still think I'm important. Now I'm afraid of everybody finding out that even though I look big, I'm empty. It's called imposter syndrome. When you feel like you're going to get found out because you know that what's on the inside doesn't match what's on the outside. Let me, let me tell you this. I wrote it like this. If what you do is what makes you feel like you matter, then how you do will become all that matters. If being beautiful on the outside is the only thing that makes you feel like successful, God forbid you ever get a pimple. You're going to leave your house thinking that you're upset. Don't confuse the emotions. You're not upset. You actually feel like a failure. Because the thing that made you special all of a sudden is no longer there. Which is going to happen because not only do you have to always be on, here's this other thing about success. Success is fragile. Yeah, he looked strong. He looked big. He looked tough. Put on that camera right there. Get that camera too. Yeah, look. He looks tough. But if I disconnect him from the source of his power, if I take away his diplomas, if I take away his, his, his followers, if I take away his money, if I take away his muscles, 
then everything that came with it goes away too. I want to be powerful, Pastor JJ. Power, really? I don't want something more because power is fragile. You know how fragile power is? This is how fragile power is. You could be the president in one election cycle and be on trial in the next election cycle. That's how fragile power is. Famous. I want to be famous. For how long? You know how fragile fame is? I was watching a movie the other day, and, and everybody knows this actor. And I was like, boys, you know who this is? And boys were like, no. I was like, you don't know who this is? They were like, no. I was like, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't know the Terminator, the governor of California? I'll be back. It's not a tumor. You don't know that guy? <laughs> nah, dad, never seen him before in my life. What? Like a whole generation is not going to know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. That blows my mind. But that's how fame works. You're only going to be famous for a generation. Then you're going to be forgotten. I want to be rich. You know how fragile wealth is? There's a company called WeWork just filed for bankruptcy this past week. You can Google it. Last year, their stock was trading at $370 a share. $370 a share. This week, it's trading for 87 cents. Tens of billions of dollars gone in 365 days like that. Belshazzar had the whole world and in one night lost it all and spent his life chasing it. Listen to me. God doesn't promise you success because success by those definitions is a terrible pursuit. What he promises you is something greater. What he promises you is not success. What he promises you is significance. And that little Arab man simplified success. But this right here, good old-fashioned significance. I know it doesn't look like much. I know it doesn't wave or dance, but let me tell you something about this that you can't tell from your seat. <laughs> Sucker's heavy. Yeah, it might not look cool, but if I drop this thing on your head, yeah, because, ready? Here's the difference. Because significance is not about who you attract, but who you impact. Everybody's like, if Jesus walked in the room right now, I would worship him. If Jesus walked in the room right now, you wouldn't even recognize him. Isaiah 53, 2. Here's, here's what Jesus looked like. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take us a second look. Did you know Jesus looked like that? Not like the dude in your picture. Jesus in all our pictures is like a head and shoulders model. Just walking around like, I'm Jesus. Just, nah, man. He was scrawny. There was nothing about him that made you. He never attracted people by the way he looked. He attracted people by the way he lived. Serving others, making a difference in other people's life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing, to spend your life serving other people, to spend your life thinking not about how you look, but about actually having and making a difference. You know, JJ and Liz, because we're the pastors of this, of this church, and, and we got names, and we got YouTube channels, and we're successful, but do you know Reuben and Nora? You know, well, two people know them. <laughs> they might not be successful by your standards, but I got a letter from an inmate at Journey in the Jail. Journey in the Jail is once a month we visit the uh, correctional facilities here in Central Florida, and we, we bring a word, and we try to encourage. We bring songs, and we hope, and we pray, and this is what they said. I was there for the first night of journey at Lake Correctional Institute. It was a rough time in my life. I had just begun a 20-year sentence. Just begun a 20-year sentence. I was angry, ashamed, and falling into a deep depression. Someone wasn't able to show up that night, so Reuben stepped up. 
His words hit me and encouraged me in a very dark time. I saw myself on two roads after his message, one full of violence and hate mixed with bitterness, the other a road of breaking a cycle of destruction. Reuben related to me because he did time too. And he answered a call on his life and surrendered to Christ and started serving God while he was locked up. Reuben planted a seed in my heart that night and I told myself that I would answer the call of my life. Even though I did not fully surrender that night, I'm humbled to say that today I have fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. And now, someone who just started a 20-year sentence, some of y'all can't say this and you're free. I have just started a 20-year sentence, but now I have joy, I have peace, I have compassion that I didn't even know existed for me. And also, I've been blessed and nourished by Nora and the others. Every time they come, Nora and the other ladies pray over me. And let me tell you something about those ladies. The Holy Spirit dwells in these ladies when they speak. Come on, ladies. Glory be to God for their obedience and commitment. Sincerely, inmate Matthew Sweat. You'll never meet Reuben and Nora, and they might never have a YouTube channel, but when we get to heaven, they will be significant. Their impact will be significant. Matthew will know them. Matthew's children will know them. And every, every life that Matthew impacts, because success is all about what's on the outside, but significance has substance. Significance has substance. That's the next point. Put it on the screen. Substance. It's about what's on the inside. It doesn't look good, but let me tell you what's on the inside. Stuff that can help build you and stuff. That you can build on. See, success looks like it helps people, but it really is just helping you. What I love about significance is it doesn't just help other people. Significance also helps build your life too. Significance builds you on the inside and the outside. See, success is all about charisma, but significance is all about character. Charisma can get you in the room, but character is what keeps you in the room. So many pastors have lost ministries. So many celebrities have lost their jobs because they were good at what they did on the outside, but they weren't good enough on the inside to sustain. And God says, I'm not just gonna give you charisma, I'm also gonna give you character to sustain it. What good is a big house? You wanna talk about substance? What good is a big house if every room is empty? If it costs you your family to purchase that? I don't need me a big house with five rooms. Give me a little two-bedroom, a little round little dining room table. We'll order Chinese food. We'll microwave some hot pockets, and we will laugh, and we will make memories, and we will talk because it's not the money, it's the memories. It's not the finances, it's the family. It's substance. Substance. Not a happiness that hinges on what people say or do, but a, but a joy that cannot be unplugged. A joy that cannot be deflated. A joy that cannot be moved. It's substance. Because significance, here's my last point, is anchored. Significance is anchored. It's anchored. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. If you're writing notes, take, write this down. The world can take away your success, but no one can take away your significance. No one. So now, now listen, God has promised you significance and now you gotta respond to it. You gotta respond to significance, okay? Well, I thought it was a promise. 
Yes, I promise, but you still gotta, look at what 2 Peter 1.5 says. In view of all this, make every effort, 2 Peter 1.5, to respond to God's promises. You cannot receive what God's promised unless you respond to what God's promised. All right, I got a little example here. I got $10 in my pocket, I promise. All right, and this is for you. All right. All right. What you gonna do? Uh, yeah. Just so y'all know, this isn't a joke. It's facts. It's facts. facts. Thank you. Appreciate you. you. Have a seat. Thank All right. I don't need to back it. I got another one for the next server, so you're good. <laughs> you see how that exchange went? Yeah. At first, I said, I said, I got something for you. And he was like, cool, cool. And that's the difference between hope and faith. A lot of us read God's promises and we hope that they're true. So he says something and we sit there, like you're sitting now and you go, amen. I receive it. (laughs) Amen. Hope is a feeling. Faith is the bridge from feeling to formation. He had hope that I was telling the truth. He had faith when he got up out of his chair and walked towards the promise to receive what he had hoped I said would give him. You see the difference? You can hope all you want, but until you get up out of your chair and move towards the promise of God, you cannot receive what he promised. You got to respond to it in faith. And so I'm going to give you four things you need to do to receive God's promise. I got a bunch of Bible verses for them. We don't have time. I'm going to give you just, just straight points, and, if, and I'll give you the verses in the lobby. <laughs> Number one, if you want to live a significant life, live to add value to others, not just to yourself. It's not about you. It's about others. Don't worry about being successful, but worry about working towards significance, and success will follow you. You want to start a business that's successful? Start a business that helps people and success will follow you. You want a YouTube channel that's successful, a podcast that's successful? Start a channel that adds value to people's lives and the subscribers and the sponsors will follow you if you add value to people. Number two, live to sow, not for show. Here's what you need to tell the Lord before he gives it to you. Lord, before you give it to me, I want you to know that I'm going to give to you whatever you give to me. I'm not going to spend it on myself. I'm not going to make a whole big old life for myself. What, God doesn't want me to be wealthy? Of course God wants you to be wealthy. He doesn't want you to just be wealthy, though. He wants more than just wealth. God doesn't want me to take care of my kids. Of course he wants you to take care of your kids. But he's got some of his own kids around the world, too, that he would like to bless through you. So, Lord, if you give it to me in advance, I promise I'm going to give it to you. I tell you now, I'm going to live my life to invest in others. Number three, you got to live for the right audience. Live for the right audience. Sometimes I'll throw out the trash, and I'll throw out the trash at home, and I'll be like, hey, babe, I throw out the trash. She'll be like, okay. I'm like, I just want you to know. What am I doing? I'm looking for her approval, right? I want her to be like, oh, good job. I want her to tap me on the bum and be like, that's my man throwing out the trash. I want, some, I want that attention because she's the audience in that moment. I'm trying to encourage you, switch your audience. Make your audience Father God. 
so that when no one sees you and when no one claps for you and when no one applauds for you, be like, it's okay. I got his eyes. He sees me. I live for him. I matter because he clapped. I matter because he loves me. And number four, you got to live all in. Live all in. Whatever this thing that God has called you to do, you got to go all in on it. And also, you got to give him all of you. Some of us give God a part of our life, but not all of our life. And God can't give you the significant life you want if you're not willing to give it all to him. I remember when, when my son was younger, and we used to do the Play-Doh. He was in the Play-Doh stage. And he had the big ball of Play-Doh. And he took a little piece of the Play-Doh. He kept the big chunk, took a little piece. He said, Daddy, make something cool. <laughs> With a little bitty piece of Play-Doh. So you know what I did? I made a ball. I gave it back to him. He said, make more. I said, buddy, if I'm going to make more, I'm going to need more. You can't give God a piece of your life, tell him, make something cool, and you got 90% of you. You got to lay 100% of you down at the altar and then watch what he does with your life. Some of us are like, God, I give you my life, but I'm not giving you my libido. I'm holding on to that. God, I give you my money, but I'm not giving you my, my eating disorder. God, I give you my heart, but I'm not giving you my Hennessy. I need that. Can't live without that, Lord. God, I give you my calling. Lord, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it, but I'm holding on to my career. God's like, wait, wait. what is it that you really want? Because you want me to make something beautiful? I need all of you. So I want to speak to the church today. Who's been holding on to their clay? This ain't an offering. That isn't until December 10th. So don't think this is a good segue, Pastor JJ. Now you're going to raise money. I'm not even talking about money. Money is a part of your heart. I'm talking about the areas of your life that you're still holding on to. And God's like, I want to build something significant. Give me the clay, man. Let it go. Let me take control. I can do it. Every head bowed, if you would, and every eye closed in this moment of reflection. As I ask you right now over at East Online here at Fern Park, if there's something you've been holding on to and you're ready to give to God, you know you've been holding on to it. You've been waiting. It's something that you've been wrestling with. And I want you right now to just present it to the Lord. I want you to imagine the altar in your prayer, that place where the priest would bring sacrifices. And I want you to bring the sacrifice of your life right now. I'm going to give you like, like 30 seconds. Don't pay attention to anything that's happening on stage, any of the noise around you. Would you just speak to the Lord? What is it? Is it a dream? Yes, what is it? A family member? Just tell him, I'm, I'm not holding on to it any longer. I want a full life, a significant life. So God, I trust you with all my clay. Take it all. I'm all in. I'm not chasing success anymore. That was my dream. I want your dream. In that same tone, if there's somebody in this room who is far from Jesus, it's been years since you prayed, years since you've had a relationship with Christ, years since you've gone to church. Maybe this is your first time ever in your life or first time in a, in a long time that you've really given it a shot. I want to give you an opportunity to put your whole life on the altar and say, Jesus, I'm yours. If that's you, you're at East, you're online, you're in the room, and you're ready to give everything to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand as a signal, as a sign. I'm going all in. I want them to have all my heart. I've been holding on to some, and I'm done. I'm ready to give it. One, three, if that's you. One, two, all over this room. I promise you won't be alone. One, two, three. Raise your right hand high. Come on, we got hands up here. We got hands in the back. We got hands in overflow. We got hands in the middle. Praise the Lord. 
thank you so much for your courage. You can put your hand down. Whether you raised it or not, I don't want to leave those alone. Let's everybody pray this prayer out loud. Father God, I'm ready to live a significant life. I give you all my clay, all my dreams, all my sins, all my past, all my fears, all my hopes, all my wants, all my weaknesses. I give it to you. Make something beautiful. You're my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.